0: We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Okay, um, for those that don't know me much, Mark, I'm one of the leaders at Lifeline Church. I've been over this talk probably for about, I don't know, six, eight weeks. I listen to loads and loads and loads of podcasts. Loads, especially on holiday. So I've just got back from two glorious weeks in France. I think I must have listened to maybe 20 sermons while I've been away. And you may think, what on earth do you do that for? You're meant to be on holiday. But that stuff refreshes me. That stuff challenges me. That stuff changes me. That stuff motivates me. And some of the stuff I'm going to bring today comes out of a couple of podcasts I listened to recently. And I thought, do you know what? I want to share that with our community. I want to share it with people. So about 18 months ago, maybe two years actually now, I felt prompted to go, start going to governmental prayer. At the time, Hans was leading it. I sort of dropped in, if I had to, on the odd occasion. Way back when I was doing, way back when I was doing loss, it was sort of, I suppose, expected of you to go to governmental prayer. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. And as I started going, I was thinking, this is a really good time, because this is a time where I actually get to pray. As I said, I'm one of the leadership here, so occasionally we get calls for people that want prayer for healing, and we go and do that as well. But I was challenged about my own personal prayer time, quiet time, spending time with the Father, and how often I wasn't doing that. It was a sort of shoehorn it in if I had an opportunity at some moment in time. Most of you know my dad, he's an accountant, He especially helps people that are struggling in business. And I mentioned before, one of the first things he does, believe it or not, whether they're a Christian or not, is saying the first thing we're going to do for your business is we're going to start to pray. Imagine that for your first visit to your accountant. My accountant's a little bit weird. He got me to pray. But the funniest thing happens. There are so many stories of businesses that have completely turned around as those business owners start to pray and they come back and they go, can you do what you did last time, please? And he uses an opportunity to start sharing the gospel in his day-to-day work. So why the secret place? Well, you see, I think the secret place is there for us and put there for us by God. And I think we either operate in the secret place or we operate in secret sin. So how many of you, when you finish browsing the internet, go and look for the delete browser history? Or the Netflix, delete that programme, because I don't want people to know that I've been watching that. Happens from time to time, apparently. Do you find yourself having to delete conversations on your phone? Or pictures that have been sent to you? Which you laugh at at the time, but think to yourself, if anybody else sees this, they're not going to think too highly of me. You see, I think living in secret sin has almost become the norm. It's almost become socially acceptable for us to operate like that. But it's also an indication that I think you may not be living in the secret place. So, two Old Testament stories. One of them, go and look it up later if you want, is a story of Rahab. Now, Rahab was a prostitute. Not particularly the best career path, but at the time where she lived, it was probably more accepted than it is now. But still not an ideal career path. And yet, when she saw the spies that Joshua sent in to spy out the land, she hosted them, she took them in, and she hid them. Not only did she hide them, but she protected them. Because the king knew that there were spies in the land and he sent the soldiers out to find out where these spies were hiding. And they asked Rahab, do you know where those spies are? Do you know where the people are? And she said no. And out of that, she found favour with God. Out of that, her and her entire extended family were spared. Her life was completely and utterly transformed as she tapped into that secret place in God. So much so, as I said, she'd been a prostitute. She actually married one of the guys that she'd been hiding, one of the spies. So her life was changed in an instant. And not only that, it says in the word that out of her seed comes the King of Israel. And therefore out of her seed comes the Lord Jesus himself. Amazing, isn't it? And yet she and her family could have been completely destroyed when the city fell. Another story, Achan, God has said to the people, When they go into battle, go, I will be with you. You'll have the favour of the Lord with you. But don't take anything. Don't take any of the gold. Don't take any of the silver. Don't take any of the bullion. That's mine. Achan had other thoughts. And he went and he took and he saw and he thought to himself, I want that. I'm going to take it and I'm going to hide it. And he actually buried it underneath his tent. And the thing that made me go astonished even more was the fact that he buried the silver even lower than everything else. So even if somebody had found the stuff that he hidden, they would have probably missed the stuff that was deeply hidden below the surface. So what was the result of Achan? He was killed. You might think, well, that's fair. He went against what the God said. But it wasn't just him. It was him, his family, and his entire extended family. See the contrast? Rahab, Achan. Rahab sees herself saved, her family saved, her extended family saved. Achan disobeys God, gets himself killed, his family killed. His entire family line is wiped out for eternity. So, Rahab hid the spies. Achan hid the clothes. Rahab was saved. Achan was destroyed. Rahab's family was saved. Achan's family was stoned. Rahab lived in Jericho. Achan loved Jericho. So, there's two types of people. Which one do you associate with this morning? Are you one of those that can go to your secret place to go spend time with God and in his presence or are you one that goes and hides It's a bit hard to stomach this morning isn't it i think as Sue was saying during her testimony this morning we have a loving God a forgiving God a father that loves us but he also brings discipline as well what's under your tent what's kept hidden what things have you buried you see private sin eventually becomes public scandal Look at what's gone on over the last two, three years with the media, with politicians, with teachers, with sports coaches, all that sort of stuff. All those masses of abuse cases that have gone on, that have been hidden under those people's tents for 20, 30, 40 years. What's happening now? That thing that's been hidden suddenly enters the public domain. And it doesn't only affect them, it affects their family. It affects their work. It affects their career. It affects their reputation. It affects everything. So, are we hosting God? Or are we hiding sin? You see, the goal of Christianity is not to hide sin. It's to host the Spirit. My suggestion to you this morning, don't just get rid of sin. Replace it. Replace it with Him. Replace it with the Holy Spirit. When that treasure was dug up from under the tent, left the hole, That hole needs to be filled. That hole needs to be filled in. So at that moment where you give it up, at that moment of confession, it was funny, during our time away, we went into this wonderful, huge, great church. And over in the corner was the confessional, and outside the corner was the vicar and somebody doing their confession. And I was thinking, I've never seen that before. I thought it was all done behind hidden curtains and stuff. But if you're grappling with something, if you've got something that you've got hidden away, Go talk to the person that you talk to about it. Get it out in the open. Believe you me, from personal experience I know, that once it's out, the thing that the enemy would seek to do, which is to keep you completely constricted and worried and those sleepless nights, that all seems to disappear. Because you share it. And I'm not saying you go and post it on social media, this is my public confession. I don't recommend that. But go and speak somebody that will sit with you and as you confess, they can pray with you and see what God says about that. It's shining the light into those dark areas. As I said, enemy operates in the darkness. God operates in light. The Darkness cannot consume the light. The light consumes the darkness. Think about Samson's secret place. I watched the film recently. Old, old film, Samson. What was his secret? What was his secret with God? Your hair. Your hair is where you're strengthening. It was a, it was a f- practical thing, not to cut his hair. What did he do? He gave up his secret because a woman flashed a rise at him. Yeah. What was the result of that? He lost what God had given him. God brought him back to restoration, yes, but at the cost of his life. Foundations. Really important to a building. For no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is in Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work on which he has built endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt, then he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. But what a strange passage Something I've been grappling with while I was away on holiday. To think, what am I actually building with? What are you building with? You see, wood, hay and straw, I'm going to split it into two categories. Wood, hay and straw, found on the ground. Gold, silver, precious stones, discovered. Not as easy just to see it, you have to go find it. Wood, hay, straw, big quantities. Precious stones, found in small quantities. One's cheap, one's expensive, one is common, one is rare. One is destroyed by fire, and one is purified by fire. So Paul's saying that we should have Christ at our foundation, yeah? That's what we base everything that we do on, on the foundation of Christ. He's our strong place. He's our rock that cannot be shifted. And yet the world, worldly systems, tend to like to build with wood, hay and straw. Why? Because it's quick and it's easier, and it's visible, and it's a look at my achievement. Look what I've built. Look at my business. Look at my exam results. Look at this, look at that. It's all out there. I remember having a conversation with, with John, John Singleton, leader of the church, a few years ago, where I, I can't even remember what it was about, really. It was something to do with my wife, Tia, and something that I'd done in choir, in the background, just for her, to bless her. And I said to him, this is what I did. And he goes, at that moment, he goes, you've just lost your reward. I go, what? And he sent me to read this particular passage. And it put a challenge against myself. That far too often we're looking for that, look at what I did, didn't I do great? And yet God's interested in the stuff that we do in the secret place. The stuff that nobody sees. The stuff that takes time. The stuff that takes dedication. The stuff that takes work. That doesn't result in something big that's out there. To say, look at this with big flashing arrows pointing at it. It's done in the quiet place. It's done at the quiet, quiet place, out of the way. Every time you serve somebody, think about our setup team this morning. They got up early, especially early. You come out, they go, they set everything up. We get here, it's all done. We are a, ser- a church that serves. We encourage it. They're not standing at the front saying, "Please now give us applause for what we have done this morning," or the PA team, or anybody else that serves to make things happen. They just get on with it. Because why? Because there are rewards in heaven. It's not about now. It's not about building for now. I always visualise things. And I was thinking, I visualise my life. When I get up there, standing before Jesus, they're saying his eyes are like fire. He's going to scan through everything that I've done. All my achievements. All my wonderful I don't know, Facebook posts and everything. All the stuff that I've worked for. And his eyes are going to burn through that stuff. It's going to burn up the wood and the straw and the hay. It's going to burn it up. It's going to consume it. And yet the stuff that's not talked about, the stuff that I'm not broadcasting that I get on and do in the quiet times, that's the stuff. And what's going to happen to that? It's going to be refined. It's going to be purified. As you apply heat to those metals, all the impurities come out. And therefore, when he looks at it, it becomes purer. And is it about getting a massive reward when I get up there? No. I gave my life to him when I was 16 years old and I've never looked back. Why? He saved me. He saved me. So imagine your bonfire. If you're giving your bonfire today, you're saying we're going to release from the fire. Yeah, we're going to escape with our lives. Yes. There's going to be nothing left. Isn't that a sad thought? Maybe. You see, nowadays, the world looks at, I don't know, success, I think, Very materially. How big's your salary? remember when I saw my school friends after many years, we had a school reunion. Do you know what the first thing they asked me? What car are you driving? That was a bit tongue-in-cheek because at school, I was very privileged to go to a private school. My parents worked incredibly hard with massive sacrifices to get me there. And therefore, when all the other parents were turning up in their BMWs and the Ferraris and the Mercedes, my dad had a Hillman Hunter i pleaded with him so many times to drop me at the end of the school drive and let me walk up there, (laughs) yeah? The standing joke was, let's see how much smoke Dad's car's going to make as it drives off. Really hard when you're a kid. And yet when I look back in latter years, I don't think about the Hillman Hunter. I think about the sacrifice my parents made. Yeah? To allow me to have the life that I've now got. You see, wood, hay and straw and stuff doesn't last. You see, the things we build Do they last through rejection? Do they last through scandal? Do they last through persecution? We're really fortunate, the Western Church, we don't get persecuted. We don't have the police standing outside. We don't have spies sitting in the room today to work out who's here and report us. Imagine if you knew that every time you tried to go to church there was a possibility of being imprisoned for doing so. Would you be looking forward to the meeting so much, Nick, as you walked here this morning? You see, so many things we take for granted he's been reading the heavenly man away on holiday and i've read it as well it's just some of those stories the persecution the imprisonment the beatings and stuff that's his walk with god that's how god's refining him i don't assume there's much wood hay and straw on his pile so it's about building intimacy with the holy spirit so we're saying jesus is the foundation and we get on with our lives and stuff but are you building with Jesus? Do you involve him in your thought processes? Do you involve him in your day to day? Do you involve the Holy Spirit as you get up out bed in the morning, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you get on with your chores, as you're looking after your children? Do you involve him or is it a little bit like occasionally when I get the occasional nudge or the prompt? Is it a day by day thing that you do? Matthew 6 6 but when you go and pray go to your room And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is where? He's already in the secret place. How many times do you think to yourself, I need to go and have a quiet time so I can find God? I know I do. If only I can get to that next worship thing, I can find God's presence. He's everywhere. He's already waiting. Another story. The widow had a little bit of oil left. The prophet sent her home and said what? Go to your house and shut the door behind you. That's all she had. And yet out of that we saw the miraculous thing of that oil not stopping until she'd literally filled every vessel that she could possibly find. So there's something about closing the door. You see, I think when we close the door behind ourselves, when we go into that place, it allows God to open the windows of heaven. It doesn't happen when the door's left ajar. door left ajar to me is distractions. We did a whole series on Esther, didn't we, recently? Vashti was there. She was invited in by the king. She was too busy. And busyness is an absolute killer for me. I've said it before. I still struggle with it. I find myself to be busy, busy, busy. When anybody asks me how work is going, my default answer used to be, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I'm busy. I heard something from a friend of mine that turned around and said, you know, every time you say you're busy, if you've got a business, that means that the person that may be asking you to think, can I offer you some work? But if you're constantly saying you're busy, you will lose business. It arrived in my thought process. So that I've stopped saying it now. And I'll say, work is going great. There's lots of work that's going on. But I'm trying to drop the busy word. So Vashti... She was concerned in getting food ready for the women. Esther prepared the meal for the king. Vashti created a fast. Esther led the nation into a fast. Vashti lost her crown. Esther saved her nation. See, I reckon we'll do more with God. Take time to pray. My dad, I'd always say, is a prayer. Sometimes you'll catch me at the end of the table. Everybody's starting to eat and you're thinking, what are you doing? Really annoys my mum sometimes. Sam? She thinks he's asleep. What? What are you doing? You think after 45 years of marriage, should know he's praying. My dad uses every opportunity to pray and encourages those around him to do likewise. You see, I think as we engage in prayer, I think things will go better. I think home life will improve. Businesses will improve. Relationships will improve. Why? Because you're allowing the Holy Spirit in to be involved with the day-to-day stuff. You're giving them an entry point. Remember the story of Martha and Mary. We justify it by saying, well, I'm working really hard for God. This is for God. This is for God. Jesus was not interested in having a sandwich. Martha was frustrated. She was running around trying to prepare food, getting on with this, getting on with that, thinking, you lazy tyke. Mary, can't you be giving me a hand? Probably frustrated at God. God, I'm doing all this for you. Yet Jesus said, Martha, one thing is needed. Mary has chosen it, as she sat at his feet. She chose it, which means it's not given, it's taken. She's chosen it. She recognised something, she picked something else up. Wasn't involved in the busyness, took the moment. So mums and dads, take time with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to speak into what's going on at home, in your family, in your place of work. Distractions, do they ever happen? Never. Big one for me recently. It's funny, actually, even last night, She's watching something, a film, thinking she's watching it with me. I'm watching something else. Asked me twice. What did they just say? Uh, I've got no clue. What do I mean by being there? I think as we go into that secret place, be there. Yeah, all of you be there. These wonderful gadgets called mobile phones. How about leaving it outside the door before you close it behind you? Oh, but my Bible's on there. There's a great, wonderful invention. It's called a paper version. How many times have you got there? Put the time aside, sat there thinking, right, go on here, bing, bing. Ooh. Nah, well, I never thought that. And suddenly the time that you've put aside is completely obliterated by the wonderful thing of technology. Intimacy, ask any married couple, happens behind what? A closed door. Preferably with a lock. We want intimacy with God. It happens behind a closed door. And I'm not trying to set a hard and fast rule. It's not about that. But what I wanted to try and get across this morning is take some time out to spend it with him. Give him some time. Relationships are not built if you don't give each other time. Moses, God called Moses up the mountain. It's a great story. I was chatting around the pool, I think, with Ella over the holiday this week. Was it you or Rianne? I can't remember. We're talking about this very story, the fact God called Moses, Moses goes up the mountain, the cloud covers the mountain, and Moses is there for how long? Before God speaks. Six days! was one of those times where I've read it and went back here. Hold on a second, so God calls Moses up the mountain and then doesn't say anything for six days. Why? God just wanted Moses to be around him. Six days! I reckon six minutes I'll be a bit twitchy. Six hours I'll be done! Maybe I misheard. Maybe I'm just going to trek back down the mountain again. When God calls you, sometimes it's good just to wait, to sit and to wait. When was the last time you went into a room, closed the doors, silence, no music, nothing, no worship music to get you in the mood, and just sat and waited to allow God's presence just to come and settle upon you? Let me go right back to the, the beginning. Adam and Eve in the garden. Can you really imagine what it was like in heaven? started to muse upon it, I was chatting to Elise about it while we were away on holiday. There's Adam, there's Eve, they're in this garden, and as Gwyn said, it's not necessarily an apple, it's just a visual. God said, don't eat of that fruit. Can you imagine the angels are watching on, looking at God's creation, and we're like, don't! touch the fruit! Don't touch it! Lucifer tried that it didn't bode well for him Don't! T- oh, she's touched it! God, she's eaten it! You see, God just wants us to be with him That's what we were created for Can you imagine God walking with you in the garden? in that coolness he walked with Adam, he walked with Eve, he walked he was there and even when they stuffed it up God turned up for his daily meeting with them even though he'd known exactly what Adam had done Adam Adam, where are you? He already knew And yet he was there for the meeting, as usual. And yet Adam was shameful. Don't hide this morning. Don't hide from God. That's what Adam and Eve did. They hid. They were ashamed. They knew their nakedness for the first time they couldn't face him don't hide, don't hide from God you see, we were not designed to wallow in our own filth like pigs do he called us to be sheep And as sheep, we know the shepherd's voice. He's called us, each one of us at some moment in time. And if you've never met with him, if you don't know about this Jesus fella, there's plenty of people that are happy to talk you through. Who he is, what he does, and what's available as we do that. Power of prayer. Allows us to overcome our enemies, it conquers death, it brings healing, it defeats demons. God through prayer opens eyes, changes hearts, heals wounds and grants wisdom. Why wouldn't we want to do this? That's when revelation came to me. Why am I I not wanting to do this? Why is this not on my priority list for today? Why can't I fit everything around this rather than trying to fit this into everything else? we been doing a whole series on the presence of God. And I think as we start to engage in prayer, as individuals, we'll see things start to change. As we pray this house group for, for Sue, and her son, in that situation. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And yeah, she's saying it's not finished yet. But it will be. Because everyone's got to bend the knee at some point. Either in this life or the next, you're going to have to bend the knee at some point. And so we're seeing situations change as we engage with prayer. You see, the enemy is already defeated, and that's the bit we've got us to try and remember. The battle's already been won, and yet we live in defeatist mentality most of the time. He's got a bit of power when he's on the ground. He can move in silence, but I tell you what, As soon as you make it a spiritual battle, he's lost. As soon as we take it off the ground, as soon as we take our issues and the hardships and the stuff we're battling with and lift him up, the battle's over. And he's reminded again in an instant that he's lost. So the enemy would want you to believe that you're defeated, that it will never change, that you're never gonna win, that your life's over, your life is worthless, you are worthless, your family are rubbish, relationships are never gonna work. And yet when we take it, when we grab it, when we take him and lift him up and take this thing into the spiritual realm by prayer, he is defeated and we celebrate by feeding into to our family. We celebrate by giving testimony like so you did this morning. That's the stuff that feeds us. The testimony is of others. When we see their victory, when we get to share in it, because it's about him, and what he's done, and what he's achieved. So in conclusion, this morning? Are you someone that's sitting here this morning with stuff under your tent? And you know, every time you look at it and you see it, that feel that knot of, this is not good, but I can't help myself. God wants to see you restored. Have you forgotten to shut the door in recent times, so that your times with him are distracted? Distractions take all sorts of forms, not necessarily the mobile phone. But we live in a world now where silence is really difficult to achieve. I tell you what though, most households are quiet at 5 o'clock in the morning that's my sleep time I'm terrible in the mornings if I don't get my sleep give that time to him and let God deal with you being a sleep person might be some time at night might be a night person I don't know but just find some time to start to come back to your father to go in to be with him not to find him he's already there but just to be with him allow him to speak to you allow him to enjoy you God enjoys you God enjoys me You see, the thing of prayer do you think he created it for us or for him? what's worship for? is it for us or is it for him? We have a tendency to think it's all about us, and it's not, it's about Him. As we give ourselves to pray, that's when He starts to communicate. Do you know what I mean? He, he, He enjoys us at that point. As we come into worship, He enjoys us. It's not about what we get out of it. Prayer is not only about just going with your massive long list of requirements for the day. It's not about that. Sometimes, as I said, it's just about sitting in His presence. And enjoying him and allowing him to enjoy you. How are you building on the wrong foundations? Has your focus, even for our young people right now, starting out in life and career paths and uni choices and all that sort of stuff, are you building a life? on wood, hay and straw? Or are you getting about your father's business? See, as I thought about it, Jesus spent so much time in prayer. You ever thought about it? Mountain-sized, where's Jesus? He's praying again, he's gone to see the old man. He spent so much time praying. Which is why when the disciples brought people that couldn't be healed, he said that one can only be healed by prayer and by fasting. He exampled the fact. He did it so much, the disciples went to him and said, teach us how to do that. Did you notice that? They didn't ever say, teach us how to heal. Teach us how to cast out deep." They said, teach us how to pray. And the Lord's Prayer was given as an example. Teach us how to pray. And I think my motto is, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. So God, teach us, as a congregation, how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And I've gone over my time. But he is worthy of it all. Thank you.